Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. This is episode number 349, Virtuous Masculinity and Femininity versus Toxic Masculinity with Scott and Emily McKay. This is Sandy Weiner, and welcome to Last First Date Radio, the place to be for creating healthy, lasting relationships after 40. As a dating and relationship coach for women over 40, it is my mission to help women enter into the healthiest, most passionate, and dignified relationships. And these women do the deeper work of first identifying their worth when it comes to how they're showing up with men. They get out of their comfort zone to play bigger. They learn to speak up more powerfully with more connection and to stand up for the things that matter most to them. In short, they learn how to show up as a woman of value. And every week I bring you a tip on how to be that woman of value. And this week's tip is your past does not limit you. I'm a firm believer that we have to stop living in the past and really just like kind of um, start a new clock today because whatever happened in the past may have led you to become who you are today, but it certainly doesn't limit who you become in the future. And so I just was speaking to a client this morning who had a whole story that started in fourth grade that she was still carrying with her, and we, we unpack that story to really help her to move on and find a partner that was worthy of her and who she is today. So before I bring on Scott and Emily, I just wanted to uh, let you know that I have a free Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. We have about 3,000 women in there who are over 40 looking for love. Um, Some of them are in relationships. Most of them are single. And this is a place for positive and forward-moving conversations. We do not tolerate venting incessantly, no you know, negative talk about men and, and broad sweeping about narcissists and all the other stuff that happens in a lot of other groups. So if you're looking for a really fantastic group, come to your last first date. And now for our guests. Scott and Emily McKay, they are professional dating and relationship coaches. They are authors and podcast hosts. They founded X and Y Communications in San Antonio, Texas, and they they focus on equipping and empowering men and women who want to go from good to great in their relationships. They reach over 300,000 people all over the world through their newsletters, podcasts, and social media. They authored 10 books between them, including four Amazon number one bestsellers, and they've been featured by over 400 media outlets, outlets, not outlets, all over the world. And they are also travelers. They are Travelers Century, Century Club members. They have explored over 100 countries together with their four children often, and they have a travel blog and podcast, which is wingitworldwide.com. Welcome to the show, Emily and Scott. Thank well, you. Thank We're happy you. to it's be a pleasure here. to be here. Great to have you. I we've been on the same summits together. I have been following you actually. I don't think you know this, but a friend of mine sent me one of your X and Y packages many years ago before I became a dating coach and I had just gotten divorced and so it was I think the first 
my first exposure to like, oh, you can date in a different way. So I still have it somewhere <laughs> with all, all of those great recordings. And so you guys have been on my radar for a very long time. Well, great. What a pleasure. Glad to help. <laughs> Thank you. So I was really intrigued by this topic, and there was so much that was talked about in terms of toxic masculinity. And I actually pulled a definition from the Urban Dictionary, because I thought it was an interesting one, about what toxic masculinity is. And I thought it would be a good way to start. So I'm going to read that definition. And it is a social science term that describes narrow, repressive type of ideas about the male gender role that defines masculinity as exaggerated masculine traits like being violent, unemotional, sexually aggressive, and so forth. It also suggests that men who act too emotional or maybe aren't violent enough or don't do all of the things that, quote, real men do can get their man card taken away. So I would love to hear your definition of toxic masculinity. Well, you know, the term toxic masculinity is kind of being used, it's kind of being weaponized against the men, you know, in a way that I don't think a lot of men see coming. You know, most guys are good men. Most men enjoy acting like men and being men. And the implication that masculinity in and of itself is toxic, I think, is, is, is very daunting to men and very fraught in a way that isn't really described in full. It's as if men are told by a certain faction of the media and people with a certain agenda, hey, you know what, your masculinity, there's a problem with your manhood. And yet men aren't being taught, taught what to replace it with. They're just taught, hey, you know what, you need to be better and you need to stop doing this stuff. And men, you need to tell, you, tell you know, your children and other guys to stop doing these bad things. But what I believe the idea of toxic masculinity overlooks is the fact that in order for something to be toxic, in order for something to be corrupted, it, it had to have been virtuous to begin with. I mean, fear, hate, whatever you want to consider the opposite of love could not have existed apart from love being there to corrupt to begin with. So while men are being told, uh, you know, sometimes in very subtle ways that their masculinity is something that they should they should turn away from. Really, what's not being shared is that masculinity has many virtuous elements, and it's meant to be virtuous. Masculinity and femininity are meant to operate well in synchronicity together. Um, and the problem being when when either men or women uh, corrupt that sense of masculine and feminine virtue and start doing bad things to themselves and other people. I guess that's when it would become toxic. But I do think the phrase is very loaded politically nowadays, and that, that's big, a big part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. And, and that Gillette commercial that became so viral around the Super Bowl, I actually watched yeah. it with my now 28-year-old son, and he was like, what the F is this? He was just like, um, he, he he goes like, what are they trying to do to men? I don't really understand this. And right, he like, right. I, I was, manage to a bunch to, of wimps. Yeah, I was trying to avoid bringing up the G word. 
it has been, <laughs> been played quite a lot. But, you know, it is such a wonderful example, but it is not the only example. Mm-hmm. You know, um, men, the, here's the problem with the Gillette commercial, the G-Word commercial. Um, it looks good on the surface. It's like, well, yeah, man, we don't want to rape women. We don't want to be bullies. We don't want to be terrible. But what it does is it shows men doing normal things that we we like to participate in as men, and it conflates that with the bad parts. Like in one part of the of the, of the video, there's a bunch of men barbecuing in a line together. Uh-huh. And a little boy is beating the crap out of another little boy, and they're all just sitting there with their beer bellies, going, "Boys will be boys, boys will be boys." You know, and all the men are all shapes, sizes, races, ethnicities, and and they're portrayed as doing something that men see as is perfectly normal for us to do, which is barbecue outside, and yet we're all in unison repeating this toxic mantra of boys will be boys. And even to say boys will be boys, well, what else are they going to be? <laughs> you know, I mean, to, right. to, to say that boys will be boys is inherently a terrible thing to say. Really, it's just a convenient way of, of capturing what the essence of that phrase usually refers to, which means someone's done, someone's behaved badly who's male. And, you know, the way you pass it off is boys will be boys. But the actual words themselves, themselves, when repeated, you know, they, they have they have a standalone meaning, which is, hey, you know what? Being a boy is inherently a bad thing, and you need to fix it. And then you have a bunch of situations where, like, a boy is running away from the bullies, and he goes and jumps into his mother's arms, and his mother is the protector. And the mother is the one who, who holds him while he cries. And, you know, is that the new standard for, for little boys, you know, when we're being bullied is to run to our mommies and cry. And, and you know, being told that, you know, implicitly, not explicitly, but we're being told in a commercial like that that, hey, you know, become more feminine, become softer, let your emotions out. Mm-hmm. And so apparently – they won't put it in words, and it's never put in words, but the only thing we're handed as a viable alternative to our quote-unquote toxic masculinity is to become feminine, which is the essence mm-hmm. of femininity, is the essence of femaleness. So meanwhile, you know, the, the, the Gillette commercial came out right before the Super Bowl. If you watch the Super Bowl, there were three separate – produced separately, okay? They weren't, they weren't the same commercial three times. There were three separate references during the Super Bowl broadcast of girls playing tackle football, and girls can do anything, right? Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but how many times has tackle football in the NFL been criticized as being part of toxic masculinity? So on one level, men are being told their masculinity is terrible and we need to get rid of it, and you, what you should do is be more feminine is the implication, whereas our little girls are told to go after those virtuous masculine qualities, like you know, being courageous, being strong, being powerful, being a protector, being a provider. Little girls are told, hey, you should do that, and little boys are told, hey, you, know, you should cry more and go jump in your, your mother's arms. Now, I would argue 
that wimping out is not exactly femininity anyway. That would be toxic femininity. I don't think women were born to be wimps. Women weren't born to create drama and, and give up. You know, lots of women, yourself, I'm sure, Sandy, coach women, and, and, and that's, that's something that keeps women from finding the love of their life and being the best woman they can be. So what about mm-hmm. this strange dichotomy where little boys are being told to be more feminine and not perhaps in a virtuous way, whereas the little girls are being taught, hey, here's what virtuous masculinity looks like. Go claim that for yourself. That's, mm-hmm. that's a really strange dynamic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've we're living in a in a very confusing time, and I think that we are trying to normalize and equalize these terms. And people aren't even using masculine and feminine. It's like, did you assume my gender? I mean, we're we're really living in a very confusing time. And at the same, so so a lot of men have been accused of doing some horrific things publicly. Um, publicly accused of doing horrific things to women sexually and the whole consent and the Me Too movement. And so we have we have men who are afraid to touch women. We have women who are behaving, you know, really aggressively at work, um, women who assume C-suite roles and end up being incredibly aggressive um, to the point where they're they're offending people. I mean, you know, how do we explain away all these things, and how do we end up with a world that's that's a little bit more? Um, I don't know what the word is, and I don't want to say normal, but but a place where women can feel like they can have this virtuous these virtuous qualities, and men can have these virtuous qualities, and we can we can still be attracted to each other because we're stepping into who we really are, not into this other construct. Right, there's that healthy balance, and it is confusing nowadays. And we talk to a lot of people who are trying to, you know, wade through these really rough waters today, you know, because they don't know men are afraid to approach women, and women are going, Where are the men? You know, they're not talking to me anymore. And uh, it's been pretty rough uh, for a lot of people in the dating world. Um, the, the masculinity and the femininity gets confused. And the reality is both men and women are both capable of, you know, doing terrible things to each other. And it doesn't help that, like you said, there's men who have done terrible things, you know, in the media uh, that's been released that have, you know, impacted a lot of people. And, uh, and even in our personal lives, there's been people who have been affected by, you know, sexual abuse and, and of the different nature of stuff, and that impacts how they date. And, you know, learning how to deal and cope and understanding when one monster uh, attacks a child and they become an adult, that that shouldn't define who they are, and it shouldn't, you know, cast a big blanket on the entire world that everybody is bad. There's actually good people out there, and they're wonderful to date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, so, yeah, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it takes, a, a, for example, if something bad happens and uh, someone comes into our house to rob us, the first thing we do is call the police. And so they'll send somebody out there, which most likely is going to be uh, a male figure. And when they show up, we're, we're relieved that somebody's there to rescue us. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't female police officers, but... <clears throat> Historically, and even presently, for the most part, men take on the roles of protection. 
and they also take on the roles of doing the jobs that as women don't want to do it oftentimes because it's complicated and it's difficult. For example, working in the mines, coal mines, for example, or in the steel industry, it's a very tough job and very dangerous. And it's wonderful when we have somebody of a male role willing to step up and do those things for us. And even in the dating world, you know, when a man can step up and do his part in the dating to make things fun for us, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's relief. Mhm. And well, we, so let, let's, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I have so many questions, but yeah, keep going. Okay. So that's what we're missing in today's society is a lot of women have been uh, fostering negativity towards men, and they fail to realize that there are some great men out there who do want to do wonderful things. They want to protect us. They want to take care of us. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And even when we date, we want to be with a guy who has our best interests at heart, who wants to be the better, you know, for lack of a better word, the better half of us. And we want to be the better half of them and be happy together. Correct. But there are a lot of people who are listening who are going to say, everybody's telling me there are good men, but I just don't see them. What would you say to, to those women well, a lot of times we invite what we believe. You know, it's a self-prophecy. So a lot of women who believe that all men are jerks and there's not good men out there, it's because they're inviting that in their life. So if they go, for example, to a, a public venue, and as soon as they see a man in existence in, within, you know, within their radius, within the same room, they have this, this look on their face of detest. You know, he's, he's going to be evil, he's going to be bad, and he's going to harm me, and I want nothing to do with him. Well, when we approach somebody or if someone is, you know, that we see somebody and they look unapproachable, they look like, you know, they're going to be rude to us, we're not going to approach them. We're not going to say, hi, how are you doing? Because let's face it, it's hard to, it's hard to talk to somebody we don't know, even in a business, business setting, let alone in a romantic setting. So what's going to happen is the good guys are going to go, it's not worth it. I'm not going to take that risk. What's left over are the guys who don't really care. They don't care about your health. They don't care about your well-being. They don't. They have their own intentions, and so for them, it's worth it to use and abuse women who are in this state of mind, and they know exactly what to say and what to do. And so, over and over again, she keeps finding the same guys who keep abusing her over and over again because that's what she's inviting into her life. It's a self-prophecy. And what I recommend is change your point of view because there's people out there who are having good, healthy relationships, and it's not an accident. And I remember when I was dating and I would go, and I was newly divorced, and I'm going, you know, maybe this fantasy is, it's just that, it's a fantasy. And I thought, well, there's a lot of people who have been married 25, 30, 50 years, and they're happy together. I've seen these relationships. That means it has to exist, and I want that for myself. I want to go out and make it happen. I decided to change my mindset and go out and be positive. And when you're positive, you're going to attract people who want to be around you. Happy people want to be around you. Good, healthy people want to be with you. And they will come to you, and you'll see a different man approach and come into your life by changing your viewpoint. I agree with you. And again, like, can you give like a, a step you took to be able to adapt that point of view? 
Well, the first very, very definite step was making that decision. You know, I verbalized it. You know, I want that for my life. So I'm going to change how I think. I'm going to believe, and I'm and for that point I did, and I still do to this very day. I believe everyone is capable of finding someone great in their life and bringing them into their life. So when you go out, you can't show up with your arms crossed and be in a closed position and not want to be approached. You have to be aware of your body, uh, your body position and your body language because it speaks louder than your own words when you show up and you see people and you meet people. You got to make yourself available. You got to get out either on the internet or you have to get out in public, make yourself visible in one way or another. And you've got to make sure that your face, your body language is inviting, smile, laugh, you know, be ready to have a conversation and be welcoming to the people around you, not just the men, but, you know, talk to the women, talk to strangers, you know, the more you can open up. And know this is hard for people who are very shy and that's very painful. But, you know, if you can just open up just a little bit and make the effort to step out that box, you'll be able to invite the right guy or the right woman into your life. Great. Okay, thanks. So let's let's talk a little bit more about these virtuous traits, this virtuous masculinity and virtuous femininity. Um, whoever would like. Scott, would you like to um, to define that for us? Sure. Well, I, I believe, first of all, that femininity is the higher calling. Femininity is mm-hmm. all about joy, comfort, fun, uh, nurturing. Everything that we live for on the weekends, every, everything we look forward to in life is about that. Um, when that gets perverted or when it gets uh, somehow darkened <laughs> and, and isn't, isn't those things anymore, then it becomes the toxic version of it. Um, for men, I think we as men feel more like men when we're heroes, when we're providers, protectors, um, and we are the enablers of, say, of a safe, secure environment which femininity can thrive in. So think of us as like, you know, the rent-a-cops who make the world safe for femininity, and then we as men get to reap all the wonderful benefits of femininity. Now, in the modern world we live in, there aren't, you know, marauding tribes that are going to come take and pillage everything we've ever worked for or that we love. Uh, we don't have to go spear and kill our dinner. And the actual existential threats probably in the suburban, you know, Western world certainly aren't what they used to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, matter of fact, I would argue that so many people are so deeply divided over such utterly silly things because we really don't have anything to be afraid of, relatively speaking, anymore. There's no World War II. There's no impending doom for us to all unite around. That could be argued, but I think that, you know, that that's a big part of why you get on Twitter and people are arguing to the death over such silly things, okay? Um <laughs> <laughs> I, I really think that masculinity and femininity, in a world where we don't have to provide and protect in such profound ways, and indeed there are ways to raise children, there are lots of new cool technological ways to get feminine gifts without having a woman hand them to you or do them for you. Really what it comes down to is the main purpose of masculinity and femininity 
to begin with, which was sexual attraction. Masculinity and femininity are not social constructs. They're not mythical. They're not something that was created by a patriarchy to keep women down. As I just said, femininity is what we're all celebrating here if we're smart. What they do is, well, they're God's dirty little trick to get us to make babies. And babies are God's dirty little trick because, you know, they're cute and adorable (laughs) and you have to love them when they're in an incredible amount of trouble. So somehow the divine creator, whatever you believe he, she, or it is, has made it so people are really horny for each other. And when men and women have sex, which is inherently gross if you think about it, I mean, why in the world do we want to do that? <laughs> when when people have sex, you know, the men and the women, you know, get together. And masculinity and femininity are the building blocks of sexual attraction at the at the psych- psychological level. They're what make us horny for each other. Most men who are in the masculine will report that they really like feminine women. And if you think about it, if you're a dude, if you're some macho guy, being attracted to a woman is the gayest thing I can think of. I mean, why in the world do we want some soft creature with a cute little giggle like my wife in our life? But we, we love them. We can't get enough of them. We crave them, right? <laughs> so <laughs> the reason for that is because there's a sexual polarity, and that polarity feels right. The polarity is about masculinity and femininity turning each other on, and it's all very metaphorical for, for sexual intercourse anyway. But that is the purpose of masculinity and femininity. It's very real. You can pretend it doesn't exist, but it does. And when it's being fought and it's being, being railed against or being told that it's mythical, what, what, what people who would bring that opinion to the table are fighting is a tsunami of, of, of the basic, you know, of, of such inc- a tsunami of sexual power, of such grand proportion that to fight that is to fight the very force that keeps the human race propagating over the, over the eons. It's not, they're not going to win. People are going to keep having sex. And people are going to keep having babies. You know, if you want the conspiracy theory of the day, <laughs> think of it this way. Why are there so many indirect and direct challenges to heterosexual procreation nowadays? You've got the Me Too movement where, okay, men don't ever look at women anymore. You're a rapist. You're bad for being heterosexual and male. It is homosexuality, and I believe people should have every right to whatever sexual orientation they are, but heterosexuality, there's been a massive shift in the last decade to where heterosexuality is being demonized, and not only has heterosexuality, I mean, homosexuality, transsexuality, LGBTQ has been not only, you know, accepted or tolerated, it's become celebrated. Now, you could argue that that's a good thing. But combine that with the fact that, hey, man, you're not supposed to be masculine anymore. Men, you should probably build relationships with other men. Women, you should probably build relationships with other women. Women, it's okay to identify as a man. Man, identify as a woman. And, oh, by the way, don't touch each other because 
because, you know, if you do get pregnant, you know, let's abort it. You know, you look at all of these different affronts to the idea of sexual procreation. The only answer is we, are, we have got to lower the birth rate. The whole overarching umbrella here is the birth rate in this planet has got to be reduced. The, way, the only way to reduce the birth rate is to keep people from having heterosexual sex and making babies. So if you want to be one chest move ahead of what you're being told to believe out there, if you want to be one chest move ahead of the propaganda, follow the agenda to lower the birth rate. My opinion is in the Western world, they've probably already figured out how to increase our lifespan. So we have got to start producing fewer human beings. You know, overpopulation, not having enough food, et cetera, et cetera. All this is a function of it. Now, what, I may, what I'm saying may sound absolutely shocking to you, but just look at the pattern. The pattern absolutely fits together like a jigsaw puzzle. And now they've even come to the point where they're admitting it. I mean, some of the freshman members of Congress, like Ocasio-Cortez, are like, hey, look, you know what? Don't have any more babies. If you're in the sound of my voice, you know, you're unethical if you bring more children into the world. They're bracingly just saying, hey, stop making children. <laughs> and and it's, it, that is what's going on. They finally just let the, the cat out of the bag. Do whatever you want. Have sex with whoever you want, as long as it doesn't result in a child. And that is what's going on with the, the, the finger pointing, not only about your sexual orientation, but about very, the very idea of your masculine or feminine essence itself. It's like, um, I don't know what your faith may be if you're listening to the show, but there, whatever it is, there was a great Christian author, okay, who... Um, who was named C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book that is classic called The Screwtape Letters. And The Screwtape Letters is a wonderful read, even if you're agnostic. Okay? It's, it's, it's a book, a work of fiction, about a senior demon training a younger, you know, a junior demon in the art of, of tempting humans. And one of the most poignant thoughts in that entire book is the, old, is the senior demon says to his protege, look, the best thing that can ever happen is that they deny our existence. If, if they don't believe we're here, we can run roughshod over them. <laughs> but as soon as they start believing there's a Satan and believing that there's good and evil then, and there's a, there's a spiritual force on it, then you know we're going to have a harder time. So keep them in the dark about all of it. At, at all times and I just think that is incredibly poignant because I think that's what's going on with all of us we're being suggested to believe this because there's a political reason for it but the overarching reason is if we start thinking for ourselves and we start realizing what masculinity and femininity really are then we're going to probably not follow the herd anymore and I, that's why I'm such a champion of people thinking for themselves and not necessarily following especially the political right or the left so so closely. Think for yourself, come up with your own ideas and a lot of these a lot of these ideas will appear out of the out of the clouds by themselves, I think. Interesting. Um so you just said a lot. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um I, I and 
it's an interesting thing to think about the whole procreation thing, and I I, I do think I, I agree with you about how we have to think for ourselves. I I'm very much about training people to trust themselves and to be able to basically coach themselves. You know, I think I think people lose that ability when they stop trusting themselves. They start they think like I I've seen in my Facebook group people bring dating coach advice from all these other coaches and it doesn't even make any sense to me and they get confused and but I'm supposed to train men that's something that came up in in our in our in our group the other day like I'm supposed mm-hmm. to train men to do this this and this and if after three dates when he's really screwed up and I can't train him, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Anyway, yeah, but I, 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 yeah, but I do think that um, that we, I mean, there, this is such a bigger conversation and, and it would take hours to get through the, the, all the parts of it. I think that we are we are also living in a time where post-women's lib movement. Um, We haven't even spoken about that, but I think that it has done wonderful things for women's equality at work, and I think we've, a lot of women have become so independent that they give off the message that they don't need a man anymore, and and in many ways they don't need a man for the same reasons that they used to. That's absolutely true in today's world. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it is... What was that? Sorry. I was going to say, I used to have a, a saying is, uh, I don't like someone saying, um, I need you. You know, I, I love you and I need you, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't want someone needing me. I want somebody who wants me. And, you know, from a woman's perspective, you know, I can go out and earn my own income. I can do a whole bunch of stuff. Women are wonderful at it. But the difference is we want someone that we would want in our life, and we want them to want us in our lives. And that's mm-hmm. where the differences between needing somebody to do something for us and wanting someone to do something for us. Yeah. And then yeah, creating I mean, the space. As far as people, as far as people needing each other, again, it goes back to the mod, the postmodern world we live in. You brought up the women's women. Vox did a poll a couple of years ago where they asked how many people identified as a feminist and they used that mm-hmm. word. And it was like 18%. And then they asked, do you you believe that women should get equal pay for equal work and have equal rights and be able to vote, et cetera? And that was like 90%. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the thought process that came from that is that feminism, which I will say has a capital, think of feminism, the idea as, as what started the suffrage movement and women's equality with, you know, just a, a small F. Feminism as a movement, capital F, has a branding problem, is what they were saying. But I believe that you know, at some point it became, let's let's get back at men, let's punish men. You know, if you're male, sit down and shut up. I mean, they would tell me to sit mm-hmm. down and shut up about even this conversation. Um, and you know, sit down and shut up is the battle cry of people who don't have their own thoughts who have been fed thoughts by someone else, because if they can't, if, if they only come back with an, a stream of ad hominem invective when you challenge them on their beliefs, that's because they don't know why they believe what they believe. 
And it's no diff- it's no different than any other dogmatic belief. I mean, if you're a Christian or you're, you know, of any other other religion, and you don't know why you believe what you believe, you better go figure it out. But what's happened is again, why would feminism become a point of denigrating men and telling women they don't need men anymore, and that men should, you know, the future is female, etc. I mean, the future is both male and female, whether we like it or not. And whatever genders yeah. they come up with, that's what that's what bothers me about future is females. And they'll, you know, I mean, somebody somebody suggested a a potential debate question for for the 2020 presidential election. If Donald Trump identified as a woman and got on on hormone therapy, would he be the first female president? <laughs> that's a great question to ask. But see, again, oh, you've got. As a response to feminism with a capital F, now you have guys called men going their own way who believe they're in the right and they're heroes because they are absolutely shunning women and saying, we don't need women anymore. And when you say to those Uh guys, well, you're just being, you know, reactive to feminism and you're not being a leader or a man at all. Guys are a bunch of wusses. They go, oh, no, no, no. You know, we we have our own. We're nothing like feminists. Oh, boy. Again, what's the purpose? The purpose is to keep men and women from being sexually attracted and, God forbid, procreating. Again, it's just another beautiful example of how that whole pattern fits together. Mm-hmm. Ugly example, actually. Yeah. How Emily and I have yeah. it our part. We have four kids. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, we have your trouble making babies here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had four of them, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, and it's. I think that we just have to, I, I think that the same thing to do, in my opinion, and it sounds like you have a similar approach, is to, you know, is to is to really embrace the fact that women and men, and even I would say in a gay relationship, that there is a masculine yeah. and a feminine energy, and that's what creates polarity, that's what creates attraction. And, um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, so so just to finish, I, I and we are just running out of time, I, I would love to hear from you a final word on, um, I always like to ask, how our audience can find their last first date. What are some words of wisdom from Emily and Scott? <laughs> well, I guess I'll go first. <laughs> um, I, I believe that men and women should be, fully embracing their masculinity and their femininity and believe that the other gender is going to respond positively to them. Remember also that men and women, Hey, look, you know, we're, we're, I have a saying men and men are from earth and women are from earth. We're more alike than we are different. Ladies, I promise you that men are more genetically similar to you than say a chimpanzee. I promise with my whole heart. If you know, if you if you win the lottery, you're happy. If your dog runs away, you're sad. We're very much alike. It's the masculine and feminine essence that that dance of attraction that makes us different. There are good-hearted people. There are black-hearted people. Most of us are somewhere in the middle in this life, and the point is to find someone you connect with and and, and be optimistic and generous. So many people are being told nowadays in the dating world that it's all about getting what you want. I think you even alluded to that a little bit, Sandy. And, and that's just, mm-hmm. that's not the way to get into a happy relationship. Emily and I, one plus one equals four, five or 60 every day because, you know, we're a team <laughs> and we adore each other and we give. Mm. I love it. Yes, and I always say, and we should embrace thunder, and love. <laughs> just a 
about. But, you know, I was going to add, I love being a woman. I love my feminine side. And, you know, my feminine side does an awesome job of getting out there and doing what I need to accomplish. And, you know, I was very successful uh, in the in the business world before, I, you know, I start working with Scott. And we do really well helping people, you know, get these wonderful relationships. And, you know, embrace your feminine side. You love it because it's fun to get out there and enjoy and be happy. And it's even just as wonderful when you find that right person to share that joy and energy and for them to share it back with you. And it is possible. You know, a lot of times I get, you know, a lot of people asking or wondering if it's even a reality uh, that they can find that in their lives. And I do. Scott and I wouldn't be doing this if we didn't think people could actually accomplish that. And they really can. Yeah, and I would just add to that. We're we're among the few dating coaches out there who are pro guy, pro woman. You know, we don't believe that you know the problem is men or the problem is women, and you've got to trick them. And they're you know none of that. You know, we believe in the inherent goodness of both genders, and you know, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what shape, size, or ethnicity, or you are, or the color of your skin. You know. Men and women, there are good people out there, and, and, and good men, who I call big four men, you know, men who are confident, masculine, as women define it, have strong character and can make women feel safe and comfortable. And the women who deserve them, you know, we have this saying, deserve what you want. You know, if you're the right. kind of person, the person of your dreams, desires, you're going to go very far in getting a wonderful relationship in your life. Love it. All right, in the last few minutes here, if you can just tell us what your free gifts are. Well, I have uh, Keys to Bliss, and it's a newsletter from friends. What it is is I had a lot of writers, a lot of uh, people on my mailing list asking a lot of the same questions over and over again. There's a lot of confusing things about dating and one, you know, if a guy is interested in me, how will I know? Is he serious? What's his intention? So I put all these questions and I formed them into it's called letters from friends and it answers those questions and all you have to do is go to keys to bliss.com French slash bonus to receive that free download sweet and if you guys are listening um, go to scottmckay.net my name is spelled with one t so it's s-c-o-t-m-c-k-a-y.net if you're the kind of guy who prefers to read you can have a free copy of my my uh, first book ever, the one that started it all, called Deserve What You Want. You get on my newsletter list, um, and I have one of those newsletters that has uh, actual real content you can use in it. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> and uh, if you're more of a listener, I have a very popular podcast called The Mountaintop for Men, and, and I also have a podcast called X and Y on the Fly that we do together, and one on, uh, on travel is called Wing It Worldwide, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, whether you go to Emily's site, at keystobliss.com slash bonus or go to scottmckay.net. Be sure to click on the, the button in the upper right-hand corner, and we'd love to talk to you for 25 minutes. won't cost you a dime. Do it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been a really thought-provoking conversation, and thank you for, <laughs> for coming on today and for, for doing the work that you do to help people find beautiful relationships and being a model for that in your own life. And back at you too, Sandy. Thank you for doing such great work on behalf of women everywhere. Um, you know, Thank folks you. like you are needed. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for listening today. And if you love our show, please head over to iTunes and rate and review us. Really appreciate that. And we hope you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. 